Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Kill Your Darlings, directed by John Krokidas and released in 2013. This film isn't in wide release yet, so if you're worried about spoilers, you should come back to this episode later. Here's the plot summary. A murder in 1944 draws together the great poets of the Beat Generation, Alan Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac, and William Burroughs. Well, that's the broad plot summary. Yeah. But uh, how I felt at the end of it, it's, it, it's definitely a bit more than that. Uh, the thing that I felt, th- there's something that sort of clicked for me at some point in the movie, and, and mm. it's possibly because we're going to see Only Lovers Left Alive soon, um, is that it's basically a vampire movie. Ah, Lucian Carr is a vampire. I was going to say a predator movie, but vampire movie works just as well. Yeah, yeah, because he like he sucks everything out of people. Mm-hmm. He basically sucks the life out of people and makes them dependent on him. And yeah, and but he's like draws them in as well because he's so you know cool and mysterious and pretty and right. all of that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. he looks kind of like a vampire. I I felt a bit like it was a movie about you know being a predator and you're being. Predita- predating on your friends but in yeah that makes just as much sense i don't know because the predator thing sort of he i don't feel like he's got that uh <laughs> ironically killer instinct no but you know what i mean like he's still he doesn't vulnerable. know that he's doing it right um yeah he doesn't have that sort of thing uh i think mm. whereas I, th- I think it's more of like this survival instinct that he's come across Hmm. where he does that yeah. in order to get by. So the plot summary said something about bringing together Kerouac, Ginsburg and William Burroughs, but really kind of centres around something that happens to another one of their friends at the time, Lucian Carr. He's the one who brings he's, them together. He's the, yeah, he brings them together and he it's um it all stems from there. But the reason I got Predator was because there's that whole playing with it because when we start, Lucian is clearly involved in a relationship with an older man, mm. and uh, there's a lot of, for a lot of the movie, a lot of overtones that that man might be a predator, might be someone who's dangerous to Lucian. Yeah, which of course turns out the opposite is in fact true. So that's I think that's why I got into that that sort of mindset. Yeah, I yeah, um, I felt like there was these echoes of Let the Right One In, which you haven't seen in that sort of idea. But it's a vampire um, movie. Yes. Yeah. And in Let the Right One In, the vampire is the little girl. Yep. But and she's got this guy who um who's like her guardian sort of thing. Yeah. But it seems like he's the one who is mm. um the predator. Mm. Like he's the one who is the bad guy, but it turns out that He's doing it all for her, and you, she's the you know, one who's the bad guy. So that Stoker, Stoker, yes, Stoker has a, our favorite movie of the year has yeah. a similar kind of thing. So that's going why on. I think that, that all of that stems from this kind yeah. of. And Stoker was also coming from vampire, vampire mythology. Yeah. So I have I got this sort of sense that I was kind of watching a vampire movie. That makes so where you much were sort of dra- and we were drawn in as well to Lucian's sort of mm. orbit. Yeah, yeah. Although sitting back, we're we're like, why are you doing his homework? <laughs> But I, yeah, you can sort of understand it because because yeah. um, Daniel Radcliffe's Allen Ginsberg is sort of brought under his spell, and he's well, yeah. so in love with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's the sort of every man, the innocent of this one. Yeah, he's and Dane DeHaan is so charismatic in gorgeous, this movie. Yeah, and he isn't somebody who you would look at and think, oh, he's so charismatic and gorgeous. And you watch mm. this movie, and you're like, oh wow, um, he does a fantastic job on this character. But I did, I did, I got to the end, and I just had to sit there for a bit because I was having feels. I was just like, whoa. That was holy crap. Um, yeah, I, I thought 
The whole cast of this was so good. Um, yeah, fantastic casting. Uh, ben Foster was unrecognisable as William Burroughs. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I I have seen Ben Foster yep. in many things, and I did not know he was in this movie in a fairly major role until the credits rolled. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that that was him mm. until the credits rolled, and then I went, oh my god, because mm. he's just, and he is... <sighs> He's so good. Mm. Like, maybe even my favourite of a lot of them, because he's so... That character is quite difficult. He's kind of this mm. weird contradiction, yep. where he seems to be quite uptight, and and he is, in fact, the sort of... And, and establishment. Yet yeah, he's establishment. into all the really serious drugs. Yes. And, dealing and he's them, the yeah. one who opens their minds to all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he is also somebody who... He's older than the others. Yep. And he's a friend of... Lucian's boyfriend David, yep, David or his yep. you know pseudo boyfriend guy David. Yep. Um and so that whole thing like he is kind of an outsider while still being an insider. Yes. And so he has a lot of different things to balance and he's mm. just really good. I just all, sort of the I mean everyone is is really good. Yes. It's got some really good um actors just in sort of small parts like David Cross and mm. Jennifer Jason Lee as um Ginsburg's parents. Yeah. But I, I was about to say the four lead sort of men are kind of they're all sort of unknown up-and-comers of daniel radcliffe perhaps notwithstanding i in that sense but they're all kind, kind of, of like the idea of daniel radcliffe young, as an unknown up-and-comer because they i think in, what he can really do is unknown right and and, and really he is at the start of his career as mm. as an adult and it's he and so all four of them are at this kind of point where a movie like this could really break them because they do such they all do such a good job mm. and they are rel- relative unknowns ben foster jack houston dane dehan and daniel radcliffe in the sort in the four leads and they all of them are just spectacular yeah and i thought i i thought daniel radcliffe was great oh he was um, amazing no none of that sort of haha look it's harry potter sort of thing no. he didn't he was completely separate from no that. no no and, cl- and let's be honest he was playing hermione in this one. <laughs> uh, I don't think that Hermione would really like the um, connection to Hermione, Alan Ginsberg when I tell you more about him later. W- well, and Hermione wouldn't have uh, probably wouldn't have gotten involved in the drugs and stuff. But no, he she's was, a bit more sensible. Yeah, she's a bit more sensible. But he was, he's, a, like I said before, kind of the, he's the person that the audience would relate the most to because he's like this nerdy little good boy at the start. Yeah. yeah. But he's also, he uh, he's looking for something else. And there's this... I don't know. There's this funny sense in this movie where it kind of feels like they're just boys messing around and that, that, that their ideas are too big for them and, and you know, they do really, really silly things a lot of the time. Yes, they do. That You get that. What they're doing is the kind of stuff you can only get away with when you're a college student. Mm. And and you see that when, the, um, when they've wrecked David's apartment by ripping up all his books and, like, hammering stuff into the walls and doing God knows what. He's like, you've ruined my house! And he... Because you know that's his, that's where he lives, that's his house. He likes to have nice things, and you've just wrecked it. When you're a college student, they're like in the middle of this. Oh my god, I'm the first person who's ever thought this way about the world. I'm the first person to discover this, and I have to do this now. That mm. that's a, you get the sense that this is the kind of thing that can only happen at this particular point in their lives. Yeah, and it's yeah, that's that sort of getting caught up in things. Um, but I kind of feel like there's this. There's a lot of that surface kind of thing, but there's not this sense that they're actually starting something. No. But we know that they're actually starting something. Mm. So I feel like it didn't quite delve into what the beat poets were really about. It does. You, d- you don't really know. You don't really get a lot of that. And in fact, I get the idea that this is almost their 
it isn't really. It's just like this this snapshot of time when you look at them and you think, how did these idiots ever get to be so well known? But and you to- know that they have the talent. It just yeah, doesn't show it in the movie. Well, yeah, that's you know they have talent, but what they don't have is the discipline yet. Yeah, but it doesn't even show the talent. You know what I mean? Like they don't they, – they talk about Jack Kerouac's million words and mm. I think it, Daniel Radcliffe gets to read one brief poems. poem. Yeah. Um, William Burroughs does no writing at all in the whole thing. Yeah, but I mean I think that's the point though. It's like how do these idiots who <laughs> are all talk and not necessarily a lot of much to show for it end up being people who actually do have something to show for it? Yeah, I kind of felt like it was kind of brushing over that in order to – have the more sensational murder mystery story. And it had this very sort of taut narrative about the murder mystery Mm -hmm. um, and leading up to that and what was happening in their lives and stuff. And so I think that kind of – it didn't give it the opportunity to investigate these people Mm -hmm. the way that it could have. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's just a sort of like that was what I got coming away from it when I read all these other stuff, this other stuff about the people, and I was like, that was kind of this whitewashed, like even with murder, it was a really light movie. Yeah, <laughs> considering what they were really doing. So I didn't actually read anything about ah. them, and I know you've been dying to tell me. So tell me what uh, you read. Okay, I don't want to tell you till we get to about ten minutes before the end because I think it's going to. Upset your vision of what the movie was. You're gonna ruin so, the movie. Uh, you're gonna ruin another movie for me, just like you ruined Thor. Yeah, it, <sighs> it's uh, it's pretty upsetting. Some of the stuff. Um, okay, so I'm not going to re- talk I, about that till we talk about the rest of the I movie. I really first. know nothing about it other than yeah. yesterday when I went out and I s- said I'd just seen a movie about Allen Ginsberg. My friend said, "Oh, come come look at this," and she showed me the poster for an exhibition that's on at the Portrait Gallery at the moment. It's a picture of Allen Ginsberg and his husband, like naked and kissing one another. Mm. And I was like, okay. Um, so I literally know nothing about these people outside of this movie. So right. as a movie, I um Yeah, I'm not up on the beat generation. I've I've only no. read about it since. I was like I was talking to you about in line, I was like, my school was all about feminist poetry. We didn't read about these guys at all. I don't even remember what kind of poetry we did. Yeah. yeah. Um I, I, it, it's never something I've really covered, although um lots of haikus. <laughs> lots of haikus. I doubt it. <laughs> we did do a lot of Japanese literature at my school because it was in Japan. Japan. Um, Japanese literature is more than haiku, surely. I know. I was making a joke. Right. It was okay. just a joke. Okay. Um, yeah. But we did we did some yeah. Japanese literature and so, stuff. So, yeah, but... I, know, I know nothing about them. I'd heard of Jack Kerouac, of course, and he seemed a bit like a – well, he seemed like a bit of a dick as far as I can remember. He seemed like yeah. one of those – which is the idea you get from these guys is that they're like – Young, no one else matters. They don't. They're not interested in being tied down into like bourgeois sensibility, and they're just kind of doing their own thing. And they have some good ideas mixed in with some horrible ones. And they're privileged enough to be able to do it. Yeah. Um. Which is kind. Of, so they just. So from what I know of Jack Kerouac, you know, he just kind of runs off and writes a book. And well, that's there's it. also that rather famous anecdote about the end where his dad wouldn't bail him out. Yeah. That was true. Yeah, um, and um, Edie's family bailed him yeah. out, but on also, the condition that they got married. Edie was the one who was friends with Lucian Carr. Yeah, Edie was a lot more involved and interesting than she gets than to she be gets... in this movie, obviously because mm. she's female. And and, and it's yeah. Elizabeth Olsen who's it's just great. wasted, like you know. Um, but anyway, uh, but see, the thing is, I want to try and separate what I know about them from what this movie was because right. I liked this movie. Yeah, me too. Um, and I liked the. In spite of having huge flaws like Jack Kerouac being kind of a douche 
Um, and basically, I, Jack Kerouac is like Jack Kerouac a douche in real life. Yes, and okay. he is, but he's this—he's the adolescent male fantasy of like, oh, yeah, sh- throwing away the shackles of yeah, your yeah. life and getting to do whatever you want. Right, like the kid in Into the Wild, which is another reason why I don't particularly like that movie. Right, because I just think they're jerks. Right, and it's it because it is—it's that like, it's something you can only do if you're like a white unattached male of a sort of under twenty-five. Mm. That's not very many people get to do that, and white wealthy, like, and you've got, and you're wealthy enough to do it. You can't throw off the shackles if you need to pay the rent or feed your kid. Whereas he's just like, he, of course, he throws off the shackles. It's wonderful. He doesn't care about anyone else. He's happy to leave his girlfriend, uh, you know, and then come back, come crawling back to her when he needs like a grown mm. up to help him out. It, yeah, no, yeah, I, and that's what that's kind of what on the road. I think that's um, one of the many criticisms of on the road is mm-hmm. that that's basically what it's about it is it's, a, it's an adolescent fantasy for boys yeah, but it's and you can see why he's an ad, he's who is so hard done by oh uh, yeah i mean and that's why he's so attractive to um alan and lucian yeah because he's like he's just a few years older just got a little bit more experience but he's also more socially acceptable than right because he's straight and he's big and he's sporting and yeah yeah Mm. Whereas those guys are like Lucian is gets by on all his charisma and stuff, yeah. Um, but is also clearly portrayed in this movie as a self hating gay. Oh yeah, um, very much so. Whereas well, I don't like- know if that was from what I read. I don't know if that's the case with the real one. But in this movie, he's clearly portrayed as a self hating right. gay. Alan Ginsberg is just coming into his sexuality in this movie. Right. He is completely um, taken by Lucian, hmm. um, well, and even the guy the other sort of interest that he has is because he looks like Lucian, um, that he's attracted to him. Mm. So he's really like, and and I think Daniel Radcliffe does such a lovely job of showing that. It's There's, so sweet. His performance in this is just amazing. I sincerely hope this is up for Oscar contention the, next year because some of that stuff at the beginning where he's there's a there's some really tight close ups right at the beginning where he's at his parents' house mm. and he's waiting to find out if he's gotten into Columbia and he's having conversations with his dad and obviously the relationship with dad is really awkward. And, and the relationship with mum is The relationship with mum is a whole mother Because she's clearly mentally ill. Yeah, she's clearly got problems and then but he doesn't want to abandon her when mm. clearly she actually needs to go and get help and mm. all this kind of stuff. But there's a scene right at the beginning with really in really tight close up and you can tell exactly what he's feeling and thinking and that he's having a hard time of it through nothing more than him sort of tightening and untightening his jaw in mm. a certain way. Like, it's just magical little piece of screen acting, and you're just like, wow. Yeah, and I think that's the case with all of those leads that oh, uh, yeah. do that sort of thing, like close-ups on Dane DeHaan's face or mm. Ben Foster's. Is, uh, every single one of them is putting everything they've got into this. Right. And it makes for something really, really – like, when those guys are together, there's this chemistry that's really, like, magical. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah. When they aren't together, things aren't uh, things like aren't as as smooth. Mm. Uh, I thought there was some. When I was watching it, I wondered if this was the director's first film, and it is. Uh, yeah, because there's okay. this sort of student film vibe with that like reverse stuff, the backward yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. and things like that that felt a little bit forced and a little bit you right. Know, that one, young. I wasn't big on that, but th- yeah, I was going to say he's really going out for something different, like the mm. the really tight close-ups. It seems to be shot um, fairly haphazardly and hand it, on. It doesn't seem to, it's, I don't know if it's shot on film or digital, but it seems to be shot 
to look a little like it looks a bit low budget, and mm. I, I suspect it's deliberate. But it looks a bit documentary style and lots of it looks a bit hipster. <laughs> you know the kill your da- like the title at the end yeah. where it's over the old photo when yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. the big letters looks like one of those hipster photos of like you know dreamy arty things where they yeah. put a quote on it or something. I mean it looks a little bit and the clothes because that kind of what is what it's about now. It looks a little bit hipster. <laughs> I feel like John Krakitis might be a little bit of a hipster director. I feel like I've heard the phrase hipster's wet dream in relation to this movie. It is. is, um, is I mean, especially Daniel Radcliffe in his glasses with the hair and the scarves and stuff Mm. is very hipster. Right. Um, It feels like – but, I mean, it captures the mood of, like, that era and stuff quite well. Yeah. With them fighting against repression, which is very clear in this movie. Mm. They are very repressed. That's very the, true. Clearly, with that restricted book section in the in the library that they mm. go to, where there are some books that are just perfectly normal, normal now yeah, that are well, in restricted sections. I mean, uh, reading about the books that get banned or restricted, and it's just insane. Some of the yeah. things that will go in that go into the restricted section, like just it's just stupid. Um, the book yeah. that I can't remember what it was. The book that that um, Lucian's reading from at the beginning is not that sensational. No, and that was in the restricted well, section. Lady Shadley's Lover, which is for years has been considered sensational. It's really actually just kind of boring with a few sex scenes in it. <laughs> Lady Shadley's Lover. I went to a movie of that with a friend of mine once, and mm. we walked out after like twenty minutes. We couldn't take it. It was so dull. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously, the most boring thing ever. Right. It was well. I think it was. They didn't even get to a sex scene by the time we walked How out. How boring! Yeah, it was so it's, dull. It's really, yeah, it is really kind <laughs> of. But of course, to get to that point, it actually takes a few rebels like this to stand up and yeah. make stuff happen. Um, speaking of sex, not mm. a whole lot of sex in this movie. No, not at all. No. I was expecting more. I was quite frankly hoping for more. Yeah, <laughs> um, well. I guess, I don't know, maybe you've just spent too much time on Tumblr looking at the, like, three gifts of Dan Rad making out with boys. There's these pictures that made it seem like it was going to be something different to what it was. There's one kissing scene in the whole thing. Yep. Um, I mean, boy, the, the main character's kissing scene. Yeah. One. There's um one sex scene that, like, is really I thought would be, se- like, a lot more... Uh, Intense than it was. Yeah, no, it was pretty tame. It was pretty tame. Um, and there's not just – it's just like they they really sort of focus on the sexiness of Lucian yeah. without actually having any sort of sexual stuff in it Which whatsoever. is – Oh, and, and there's the Dan Rudd jerking off um, – the Allen Ginsberg jerking off bit, which you right, see from yeah. behind. Yeah, well, and that's a bit like the sex scene. It's, you know, which is shot from the waist up. It's all kind of – Implied, rather he's than na- no. Seen. You can see his butt naked. Oh, you on know, the sorry, chair. the sex scene is shot from the waist up. Yeah, the jerking off scene. All you see is his naked butt. Yeah, and he. And yeah. It, it, it's it. I thought it was going to be a lot more salacious going into it mm. than it actually is. But you know what? You just said before it's about repression and dealing with repression, and that's kind of yeah. There is a sexiness in that, and the the sexiness is in what's forbidden, what mm. isn't able to happen, what you can imagine. And that's, I think, what they were going for. I guess so, yeah. And also, I mean, he's an eighteen-year-old first-year uni student. A lot of, a lot of your, um, a lot of what's exciting is the stuff you can't get at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, there's a lot of like really sort of intimate moments yeah. that don't turn into, like, I kept waiting for something to happen and it didn't. And I suppose that is on purpose, right? But it wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah, from because it. that that's because the character wanted something to happen and it didn't. Mm. 
Mm. And it's all that unrequited stuff. And that's how that's how Lucian works, though. Yeah. Because if he requites it, then he can't keep stringing them along. And also right. he wouldn't requite it because he he doesn't want to believe that of himself. Right. He doesn't. In spite of the fact that it's clearly true because he has them around all the time, these mm. guys. Yeah. Um, that... he, he doesn't want to believe that of himself. That's really it's awkward. Quite interesting. And I, I um, read just a little bit of biographical information about Lucian Carr afterwards because mm. I was um, – and he ended up, Married to women a couple of times yep. and fathering. I've actually read a book by his son, which is really yeah, which is why but, I'm not. Um, I don't know if he was yeah, like, if he was self-hating gay or if he was bisexual. I mean, or, you know. this movie is a take on them, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, what was more interesting to me were things like he was still Jack Kerouac's best friend for years. Oh, really? After the they he after yeah. all that after all of that he was still and William S. Burroughs was still friends with them. Um. They were all, in fact, still quite close. Really? Because this was the start of the beat poet generation. Because These are the yeah. beat poets that created that movement, and right. they did that after this happened. But at the end of this m- movie, we see a line about how Alan dedicates his first book of poetry, his most famous book of poetry, oh, to no, Lucian. Stay, sorry, he didn't stay friends with Lucian Carr. Lucian right? asked him to take his name off. But I know. Uh, Alan Ginsberg didn't stay friends with Lucian Carr, but he stayed friends with William S. Burroughs and Jack Kerouac. Right. So he didn't actually get out of it like the movie seems to imply, obviously, because then there wouldn't have been a beat poet generation. Well, no, but it doesn't imply. Um, it, well, rather, I sort of got the idea that he would stay friends with those two. Yeah, and and yeah. Lucian, Lucian, but Lucian was still best friends with Jack Kerouac. He was his best man at his wedding. Ugh. I know. Um, okay, that's only part of it. They waited um, until he got out. We're, we're at the right amount. We've got the right amount of time for you to tell me about this. So go yeah. ahead and ruin the movie. William S. Burroughs famously um, was very very heavily into drugs right that's fine that's all been documented and as far as i can tell he wasn't quite as much of a dick um alan ginsburg was a pedophile really and like he was an outspoken pedophile he was a supporter of the national american man boy love association um he was in a documentary about them in 1994 in favor of them he uh was in favor of basically raping young boys and he did it. What? Uh, there are stories, a bunch of stories about him doing it. Oh. Um, it is all cultural appropriation as well. Like there were a lot of, there were a few black beat poets that don't get mentioned. You, you know, the, the cultural appropriation thing, I kind of, you see a bit of that yeah. in the film. You see how they're hanging out in bars with black singers and musicians. And but not just that, most of the people in the bar were yeah. black. No, you, you definitely see that. But they that. don't get lines. Right. It's kind of uh, like. It's it's kind of like the birth of rock and roll, really. It's basically yeah. it was a particular tradition until a bunch of white people ripped it off and mm. repackaged it for the market. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of – I mean, a lot of that was about cultural appropriation. Mm. There were female beat poets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who um, were well, all well, – Edie was more involved. Yes. Than but his... not just that. There were female beat poets who were actually um, – they were – um, their parents would take them out of school. They would give them electroshock, sh- electroshock therapy. They would put them in institutions. Because they thought they were mad. Because they thought they were mad for doing what the men were doing. Mm. So uh, all of that stuff obviously is not in this movie, which is about, no. you know, for white boys. Right. It's basically. I mean, it's part of the context, though. Right. Like, mm. so in terms of, and I read about the Allen Ginsberg thing, unfortunately, before I saw the movie. I know. Mm. So I was watching this movie trying really hard to divorce my feelings about that from what was in this movie because what was in this movie was lovely but not true. Yeah. Um for in a lot of ways and and especially that bit at the end when the quote came up that said Allen Ginsberg became one of the, you know, most famous poets in the world. Right. And then just the bit about his book and I was like, wow. 
uh, really, really sort of clean, cleaned up version of this history. Yeah. Um, because really the only one that comes out looking bad is Lucian Carr. But even he doesn't, I mean, they give him this vulnerability and this sort of feeling like he can't escape it. Mm. Um, and they give him this kind of out. Yep. In a, in a couple of ways. Whereas, like, it seems like the re, <laughs> but also the way that he, um, justifies what he did is awful. Yeah, that's and what I mean. And the fact, the like, law that existed is yeah. awful. And that's why, t- to a modern audience, that he comes out looking the worst because that yeah. we get that explained to us. I was actually thinking when I watched, I was thinking, you, you know, they've left it if, until it's now a few years after he died. Like maybe, maybe mm. you know, he can't he can't sue when he's dead, kind of thing. And he's you know, maybe his children won't sue. I just, I was, yeah, I sort of felt like mm, that's probably he's he does definitely come out of it the worst. Yeah, but, then but he all he of them, still ends up coming out of it looking better than he could have. Right. Like, he could have come out of it looking particularly awful. And I think all of them What did he kind do? Of, well, cause, so much worse. No, but he, he could have, they, they gave him, cause I, cause, because they gave him that vulnerability oh, and that kind okay. of, like, you could see him, I hated him grappling with himself up until the point when he did it. Oh, and, okay. See, I just didn't, I didn't like him at yeah, all. Yeah, but I, I still think that, that they could have, he could have come out of it looking like even more of a monster than he did. Right. But also he, the way that they portray him, it almost seems like they imply that he can't write or yeah. re- like at all, uh-huh. uh, let alone. And, and I don't think that's true. He did very well at university. Right. And he um, the, the ended getting up everybody to writing, writer. Yeah, to, yeah. They're getting everybody to write things for him in the movie thing. I don't know how true that is because he did very well. He went to his classes. He talked in classes. Right. Um, he was very intelligent. People yeah. liked him. So okay. that sort of aspect See, of it as I, well, and th- so therefore he, that to me makes him look worse. Like yeah, I, exactly. I, I didn't that, in, and really, I didn't like him pretty much from the moment it became obvious that he was. Oh, you mean that using like people made him look yeah, worse? Yeah, I hated no, him. No, see, I think it looks couldn't worse if he was... with, couldn't deal with him. I was just like, this is an awful person. Get out of his <laughs> life. Yeah, I think it makes him look worse. That I, I think it makes him look worse that he was actually quite capable of doing that would, things. Would make him. Oh yeah, I suppose. And because mm. in this, it seems like he really needs that. I, I have this thing about people cheating on their homework. It makes me really upset, <laughs> like uh, unusual, like just extra upset. And I don't know why. It's just that, like. It just bothers me, people cheating on their homework. Yes, because you worked really hard on it and you're very competitive. Yeah, pretty much. And if anybody didn't work really hard on it and didn't compete at the same level and then got better than you. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like a nerd trivia on Tuesday when I worked really hard at doing a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon and then somebody obviously looked it up because they were like, oh, he... Bruce Campbell was in this movie with David Teaster, who was oh. in a movie with Kevin Bacon. I'm like, you don't know who that is. That's no. the first name that comes up if you Google it. Yeah, exactly. And besides, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon is much more fun without IMDb. Yeah, but this, no. yeah. Anyway, that um, I understand that, but I think that yeah, I think that he they could have made him look just like a, a jerk, but he did try to commit suicide. Although wow. he did it by putting his head in an oven. Yeah, that and which is why which is a- very different from what it mm. seems like it is in the movie. Yeah, uh, although I think the cat thing is a callback to that. Yes, the cat thing. Um, yeah. Also, that was different. He tried to strangle the cat. Oh, yeah. yeah, so I figure they did that with the cat because they wanted to call back to the suicide attempt. Yeah. That was – I just assumed um, that was what Yeah, so there's there's a whole lot of stuff mm. like that that's different. But um, and, yeah. and Jack Kerouac was the one who told uh, David where to find Lucian. So they changed that a lot 
for obvious reasons, they wanted right. to draw the comparisons between David and Alan and, yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing. There's a lot of stuff. That's, mm. that's, and, it's, and I understand that this is yeah. a take on it. Right. And I think that the movie is good, but I also think that it is a very idealized version right. of what was happening. So you've really got to separate it exactly. as a movie. From that's why I was, was trying so hard but then to keep it a lot separate. of what is problematic, whitewashing, um, taking out the stuff about Ginsburg's pedophilia and all the other people's nasty little Although the pedophilia no, thing he probably, probably wouldn't have been such an issue when he was 18. Right. Either. All that context, though, it kind of feeds into what's wrong because what's come down to us and what the story that somebody wants to tell and has got money to tell and has got hot young actors to tell is the men's story, the one that makes the adolescent male fantasy look look he looks great. Jack Kerouac comes out of this looking like there is this very idealized version of the beat poets and a lot of yeah. this stuff about like uh, people would defend Allen Ginsberg for a really long time um in terms of like he was a fan of free expression right uh, um free speech and all that and a lot of these stories this is about a Julian him didn't, Assange thing isn't it this is yeah. like that well a lot of yeah. the, but a lot of the stories about him didn't actually come out until later as well yeah okay. people were not telling these stories oh, yeah. and the people who were telling the stories were the women and the people that they weren't listening to right so um so the idealized version of the beat poets is actually something that up until recently was accepted as the true story yeah so i don't know how much actually of this it, stuff people know about yeah well i mean uh it, considering it's, it's only come out recently yeah this is the kind of story that keeps coming out where famous powerful men are doing something completely immoral um like immoral sexual power plays behind the scenes mm. that no one's talking about that are coming out now after their deaths because or because some people are finally listening to the women and mm. children who were yeah it's that's it's the thing awful. i haven't heard a single story from any of the children who um alan ginsburg reportedly preyed on but people who knew him yeah um friends of his are coming out now and saying these things wow. so yeah, there's just a there's a lot of different stories. There's a cat that scratching sort of to be let in again. Yes, That's is. right, let him in. Hi, Park. Hello, buddy. You got to come in and stay in. Come on, come on. In you come. Yeah. Um. But you see, I don't even know how much like they would have been exposed to in making this film. No, and um, it could be yeah. Because the beat poets are taught in schools in America, and this they're stuff is taught in schools taught. here. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, like I said, well, not my school, but I certainly know that other. Other people get taught this stuff, and mm. it's kind of like, but which is what's so funny because it's like they became, given what they were and what they stood for, they became so establishment that they're now <laughs> on the curriculum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I understand they're taught across the English speaking world. That's why it's so upsetting. But it's yeah, it's all part of the the context of who gets to tell the stories and the history being told mm-hmm. by the winners and and the powerful. And it's kind of it, it's kind of a sad little coda of that we have to talk about when we talk about the film, which is in and of itself a great film, yeah. really good performances, um, a whole lot of really good actors getting to do really good work. Yeah, well, like I said, I had to work really hard to divorce my feelings about the era right. of what I know of it yeah, and um, my feelings about the movie, which are completely different. Right. Although I would still like to see, you know, more non-white males in it. Right, uh, definitely, and um, and I appreciate that they did make the effort to imply that that this the cultural appropriation, mm. but yeah, no, I I, I really but that wasn't part of the story they were telling. No, it so wasn't it an important just part. Of, pushed aside. 
Yeah, and that was essentially a, a murder mystery with the setting of a few people whose names we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so do you have a, a score for it? Yep. I gave this movie three and a half out of five stars. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i actually dropping my mark. I was going to give it four and a half, but I'm giving it four. Okay. I, I think I'm a bit sad now because I've <laughs> heard all that. I didn't change my mark. The other movie you ruined for me, Thor, I didn't <laughs> change my mark on. But, I, yeah, I'm going to drop this one back to four stars. Okay. Thank you very much for listening to The Silver Screen Queens. This week we watched Kill Your Darlings. If you want to find out more about this episode or about our show, you can do that at our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Kill Your Darlings or of any of the other movies she watches, you can do that over at her blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that on Twitter at screen underscore queens. You can like our Facebook page or you can come and hang out with us on our Tumblr, which is tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.